right, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do tonight. Rick Delgado's going to do some news. <laughs> Rick Amorati's going to do some Hi. sports. Everybody's rolling in from other events and things they had to do. Like I, like I last night, happy birthday Ooh. to my son, 15 years old. 15? Yeah. Let me yeah, think about 15. that. Yeah, 15. Thank you. I think I'd know. <laughs> 15 years old. Of course I know. 15 years old. Man, it's been a fast 15 years. And happy yet, birthday to him. We had a great time. And he hasn't watched one show, has he? Going to, uh, no, of course not. <laughs> Going to um, Top Golf. Are you aware of this facility, Top Golf? Love that place. Oh, man. Can you have more fun in one night than going to Top Golf? They've got great food, great drinks. You can get drunk, and then you can do like <laughs> your, um, well, now they don't let you do like the run up to the golf, you know. You, you don't get to do the, uh, what do you call it? Happy Gilmore stuff? No, no Happy Gilmore no. stuff. But, man, you can just Is have a, a great... new sponsor we have? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you can just have a great time just whacking the hell out of these golf balls out into space. And it's a brand-new facility, right? The one you went to. Oh, man, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So uh, we had a fantastic night and a good time. Happy birthday to him. And uh, I heard you guys had a great show. The audience was lively last night. Got yeah. a lot of... Uh, well, Harry, you know Harry what? Oates was in the house. Harry Oates was in the house, and I got to say, I had a lot of fun with Harry. The show flew by. Well, flew I by. Mean, yeah, I mean, with Harry. Rick, how are you tonight? Thanks for joining us. How are you? <laughs> okay, need a little microphone in front of you. You've done this show for a while, so yeah, I know. We wonderful, got... Big D. There you go. Yep. Top golf, baby. Great Top place. golf, baby. Here we go. All right, so uh, lots to do. Geo friend holding it down as always. Glad to be back. Um, well, you know, I don't know. I'd like to always start. I I think I try to start the show on a positive note every night. Although some most people <laughs> always think I'm in a bad mood, I'm not. But tonight, uh, uh, tonight might be an exception because here we go again with the Republican Party. You know, if you haven't noticed, the Democrats are in full 180 mode on taking the exit ramp off of COVID uh, fascism and COVID anything they can, other than here in New York, and we'll get to her later on the show but today there was a vote to really for the most part end all covid and vaccine mandates under senator lee's amendment to defund all remaining federal vaccine mandates simple well there's a couple parts to, to how the republicans either either screwed this up or or most likely set this up to just be theater. And I wouldn't put it past them, and I certainly wouldn't pass, put it past old Marble Mouth uh, McConnell. Oh, you mean Mitch. So the yeah. Sen- Senators Lee, Mike Lee's amendment, would have ended federal vaccine mandates. So, first of all, 17 Republicans voted... For this to go to say Nobel laureate to go to cloture, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) to go to cloture, which means they need a simple majority to pass it. Now, so if you're going to do that, and you're going to play ball with Schumer, and and no doubt Pelosi, I'm sure even though she's obviously in the House, but no no doubt Schumer and Pelosi are attached at the hip. If you're going to do that, you would think you would only play that play that and give away that leverage if you know that you have the votes well guess what 
Inhofe, Romney, Graham, Burr, they don't even show up <laughs> to vote. They're not even there. John Tester, my understanding, is voted no. Senator Roy Blunt and Susan Collins sided with the Democrats. So you, you just have to ask yourself, how do you, how do 17 Republicans vote with the Democrats to send this to that kind of a vote? If you don't have your entire representation there and you know they're not going to be there. It's like the black hole that is the Republican Party, again, just sucks the life out of anything possible of getting done. It doesn't pass. The Lee Amendment doesn't pass. And we don't end this vaccine mandate once and for all. Oh, sounds like the fix was in. That's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like McConnell was over there at Schumer and Pelosi whipping something up. Yeah, we're going to do this. We'll vote for that. We'll make it look good for our base so we can, everybody can, oh, I I voted. I was there. Did did, did you get your Pfizer check? Everybody get a Pfizer check? Pfizer check? Good. Okay. That's what it is. Big Pharma probably made some phone calls. You know, their lobbyists got on the phone, reminded Mitch, hey, remember. It didn't even need to go that far. (laughs) It didn't even need to go that far. Mitch didn't need any phone calls. He was in on it himself, most likely. He was in on it himself, most likely. Because why would, you, why would you vote for it to go to cloture if you don't have the votes or you don't even know if you have the votes? You don't even know where people are. You don't know John Tester is going to vote no. You don't know Susan Collins and uh, Blunt are going to vote with the Democrats. You don't know that Inhofe, Burr, Romney aren't even there. You don't know Lindsey Graham's in Israel, supposedly, and it's not going to be back. Only, only the issue of our time, most people think, only the issue of our time, ruining people's lives, losing jobs over these mandates. No, why, why, why do we have to show up for that? And it's in all part of this continuing resolution. I feel like, I, you know, if you've watched this show since 2015, what have I said about every single government funding Bill or anything that's come up. McConnell gets his ass whooped around by Pelosi and Schumer all the time if he's not in on it, which I believe this time he probably was. Probably set it up. Don't, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, just little, we'll make it look... You guys do your thing. We'll make mm-hmm. it look good, and then we know we don't have the votes. And I, I don't know. I don't know, how you, I don't know how you expect to win with this Republican Party. I just don't know how. I know there's good... There's good people, there's solid conservatives, solid people who put America first. But there's the majority, I, I just don't know how you move forward. I don't know how you win, quote unquote, with these people who are just, have no interest in anything other than their own power structure. Well, that's how you don't win, because their interests aren't the interests that should be the American people. Their, their own self-interest is all that they're concerned with. 
and their buddies over across the aisle who, oh, you know, we were, we were all talking about her. No, no, they still hang out. They still talk. They still hang out in the same clubs. You know, the old the old boys network. They rub their elbows. They, uh, you know, exchange. Oh, you you got, you got to meet with this guy. You got to meet with this yep. person. It, it, it's this this old boy network, and they don't like anybody disrupting it. And we're just on the outside looking in. I mean, if there's one thing, I mean, especially with the backdrop right now of the Democrats in full 180 mode on trying to take what exit, any exit ramp they can take on COVID right now. Jay Inslee, for crying out loud, in Washington today said, we're going to, that's the end of the, the mass mandates. And so when you've, when you've reached that point, you would think this would have passed a hundred to nothing. Yeah, you would think. And the Republicans don't even have the votes. They don't even have their hope. They don't even have. The, they don't even. <laughs> they're not even all there. They don't even know what Tester's doing. They have no what Collins is doing. They don't know what Blunt's doing. I, I think you, you nailed it on the head with the comment. They're not all there. That's all you had to say. Kind of explains the uh, the brain trust known as the, uh, you know, Republican Party that's been in there forever. So the issue of our time, the mandating of sticking you with this poison, the Republicans can't even get on the same page here in the ninth inning of it to finally put it down and put an end to it. Not only that, they give up any leverage they have and they fund the government. (laughs) I mean, it comes a point with this party where you just... I don't know what you do other than throw your hands up. And I don't, I don't know what we, we just need another party or something. I don't know what else there is to say about them. Are, are you surprised that they funded the government? Uh, I mean, giving themselves more money, you know, here's more money to keep, keep working, keep doing what you're doing. The, the, again, it's their own self-interest. They only care about them and their own survival. Us be damned. The country be damned. They don't care about any of that stuff. They got theirs. You don't have yours. Huh? You're on the outside looking in, my friend. We all are. And it sucks. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. But other than that, I don't know. I, think- I, don't, I don't expect it at this point, especially in this time in history, with everything that's gone on with this, with, with, with already in question, obviously, this whole OSHA thing, the pre- what, what um, constitutional authority the president has, he thinks, to mandate people, which he has none. All of what we've gone through, the, the, the rise up from the American people, the rise up that you're seeing, um, even, go, even down to these school boards, everything you're seeing, what's going on north of the border, and we'll talk about that as well, but just with everything you're seeing, and with the Democrats clearly looking for the exit sign where they can, clearly looking for the exit sign, clearly looking to reverse course and then hope that you forget and forgive and move on. Okay, we're all moving on now. We, 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 we okay, well, you know, that's what they hope. They couldn't even be on the same page today for this vote on the Lee Amendment. How do they, not, how was Lindsey Graham not even here? He doesn't, he doesn't, I mean, it's just, you know. It's the rhino class. 
So the Washington Examiner wrote this up basically again. And, I mean, and uh, they say a number of Senate absentees on Thursday changed the chamber's usual 50-50 split. On the Democratic side, Senator Ben Ray Luan has not returned to the Senate after he recovers from a stroke, although he said Thursday he has returned to Washington for the remainder of his recovery. Let me tell you something. This poor guy had a stroke, and I'll guarantee you, if Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer needed his vote somehow, he would have not only been flown in from wherever he was to finish it, he would have been finishing his recovery on the Senate floor. Mm. That's the difference between the two. They would have done whatever they needed to do to get him there and get that vote. We've got people all over the world on this vote. We don't even know. Oh, yeah, we'll go to close. Sure. Oh, wait, what? What'd you say, Mitch? That's the Republican Party. I don't know. I don't know. Other than that, it seems like you're in a good mood. Our live from Studio 6B on a Thursday, just getting started. Lots to do. News, sports, crazy town, could be a doozy. All coming up. be on a Thursday night, 17 past the hour. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Rick's going to do some news here in a second. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Uh, Rick Amirati's here. It's going to do some sports. How are uh, how are you? Good. Big D. How's it going tonight? Very good. Any um, any big games coming up tonight in college basketball as uh, we've uh, begun our odds makers? <laughs> Michigan and UCF are in a good game right now. 39-37. Well, I'm, I'm not interested in games that have already started. We can't bet bet games that have already started here on the odds makers. We need to look for games that haven't started like we did the other night with the Tennessee and Kentucky game. And yeah. I think you had um, Kentucky in that yeah, game, right? Yep, I did. I went wild with the Wildcats, and they didn't come through for me. Nope, you're right. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't here last. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I just, I Geo doesn't miss it. I just wanted to uh, make sure, since I wasn't here last night, if I could get a little refresh on the, There it goes. Okay. Yeah. 500. So- Listen, you were on 50,000 at one point, so no big deal. Yep. Uh, well, we have UCLA, Washington State. Um, UCLA is laying nine and a half. That's an 11 o'clock tip. Um, and then we have Houston, number 14 Houston, Ooh. hosting UCF. And Ooh, that's, that's a 13 and a half point game. Okay. So who's DePaul playing tonight? I looked at that game. I think uh, DePaul's playing a good game tonight, too. They're playing somebody. Yeah. Uh, Creighton, I think. They're playing Creighton, I think. Uh, let's see. DePaul, DePaul plays Creighton tonight. Yeah. That's a good game. Yes, DePaul at home playing Creighton. DePaul minus one and a half. Who do you like? I like DePaul in that game. So you yeah. want me to pick one now? Yeah, you pick one. All right, I got DePaul. Are you going to lay one? 100,000. No, I'm just nah, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, David has some inside info. I'll lay one and a half. That's fine. All right, I got Creighton. We'll All right, very good. That game All right, what's going on in sports? Okay, well, we got the uh, big golf tournament today that just tipped off. Um, let me just get the, to do my information here. Uh, we got the Genesis Invitational Tournament, Big D, mm. in Riviera Country Club, Pacific Palisades, California. Gorgeous course. Great tournament. That was the uh, car that Tiger was driving, right? Wasn't yes, it a sir. Genesis? Okay. Yep. 
And Tiger is actually at the event, not playing, but he is a uh, you know involved with the sponsorship and promoting the event. But uh, right now, first day, good good round. Uh, Joaquin Neiman uh, shot an eight under sixty three today, and uh, tied for second was Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth. They both shot a five under. So obviously, this is only round one, and uh, we got three more days to go. But we'll keep track of that and have a full report by Monday on the winners. Um, and uh, well, this is a sad story out of out of New England, but, uh, well, and it's sad, but sweet, but Myrtle Millage, world's oldest New England Patriot fan, died at the age of 106 today. There's an Associated Press report. Mexico, Maine, uh, a Maine woman recognized by the New England Patriots as their oldest fan, has passed away. She was 106. Myrtle Millage of the town of Mexico was well into her 40s when the Patriots became a franchise in the old American Football League back in 1960. Uh, the Patriots honored Millage as their oldest fan earlier this month by giving her a personalized jersey complete with the number 106 on the back. Talk about good timing, right? Millage died peacefully uh, on Tuesday at the hospice house in Auburn. Her obituary in Sun Journal said she was predeceased by her husband, Frederick, in 1970. Uh, Millage's fandom made her something of a local celebrity. She served as the Grand Marshal of a parade for the uh, team back in May of 2019, a few months after the New England Super Bowl win that particular year so um rest in peace there myrtle mills 106 years wow, old God bless. that is a great story that is fantastic i would sign on the dotted line for that right now 106 yeah i don't know if you'd sign on as a patriots fan though big d no no <laughs> definitely not but sign on the line for 106 for sure exactly she's there all many she's been a fan almost as many years as bill belichick's been there just about but so uh, did, did i hear tiger say that he's not sure when he's gonna be ready to play still the foot is just not ready he said in, in, in the press conference yeah, he just yeah. said He's not 100% mm. big D. He's that's, not right there. That's I mean, tough. He, he had that good tournament with his son where, you know, he shot okay, but obviously that wasn't at a full com- you know full yeah. competitive level. Sure. But, um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on Tiger as well. We hope he comes back. It'd be great, but I don't know. That's going to be a tall road to climb, especially at his age. D. Yeah. All right, and that's a wrap in sports. I got plenty of others for the next few segments. All right, Rick, thanks. We'll do more sports. Let's do some news with Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All right. Well, a lawsuit claiming that the Michigan election chief illegally accepted Zuckerberg money to swing the 2020 election has been filed. The lawsuit filed against Democratic Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson asserts that she illegally accepted private money for the 2020 presidential election uh, that helped get President Joe Biden elected. This coming from Just the News. The Chicago-based Thomas More Society filed a lawsuit in the Michigan Court of Claims alleging Benson violated election law by spending private election funding for partisan purposes that denied Michigan voters constitutional equal access voting rights. The Center Square previously reported that uh, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan contributed $400 million nationwide into the 2020 election cycle through their Chicago nonprofit, the Center for Technology and Civic Life. In the 166-page filing, the claims uh, that nearly half of CTCL's funds flowed to the Democratic-dominated areas where Biden won. For example, a lawsuit says CTCL made 19 payments exceeding $100,000 to all jurisdictions that Biden carried in 2020. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the uh, legislature aimed to ban private funding for public elections via the Senate Bill 303, which, of course, Gretchen Whitmer vetoed just last year. So we'll see what happens. But uh, she has now been served with a lawsuit. That, of course, is uh, Phil Klein's group, I believe. 
Bill I think Klein, of course, appeared on this show multiple times to talk about election um, leading up to the election. By the way, he was on he was on the Zuckerbucks and the Dropboxes before almost anybody. And, um, you know, those are the parts that nobody wants to talk about. They want to talk about uh, voting machines and Dominion and all that's good and important. But um, the issues were long. The issues that made this election what it was happened long before November 3rd. Long before. So, all right, what else is in the news? All right, well, here's uh, something that shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris has been dispatched to Europe in a late effort to avert possible Russian aggression uh, along the Ukraine and Russian border because she's done such a great job with this border. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris dispatched Thursday to Europe in an attempt to keep peace in Russia. I mean, the irony of this is, (laughs) I mean... I know it's, it, it writes itself. Uh, Harris left D.C. this morning to attend the Munich Security Conference. Her departure was followed swiftly by a statement from President Biden as he mumbled that uh, President Vladimir Putin will invade inside the next several days. Not a joke. Uh, Washington has sent a series of diplomats, including the country's highest ranking secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, to try to avert Russian invasion or incursion. Harris is expected to meet Friday with the leaders of Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania before delivering a speech Saturday that has everybody on on uh, bated breath just waiting for her to talk about the Ukrainian crisis. She will also meet with the Ukrainian president Zelensky and German chancellor Olaf Scholz. So that seems she's really going to, you know, they really sent out the big guns for this one there, Damon. Yeah, well, I'm sure she'll get to the, uh, I'm sure she'll do as well there as she's done um, on on the border that she was tasked to fix here, which they have no interest in, by the way. But she knows how the internet works, so that's good. Yeah, maybe she can tell the Russians <laughs> what she told everybody coming up from the southern border, don't come. By the way, throw, throw my screen up, G. Chip Roy, who, by the way... I don't know how you can be better than Chip Roy's been on this whole thing. Let me just get rid of... uh, 19 Senate GOP voted for funding tyranny after government forcing Americans to take a needle or be fired after seeing Senator Mike Lee's amendment go down. Ford didn't even vote. All coordinated by GOP leadership. There you go. So see, that's the giveaway. Barrasso, Blunt... Capito, Cassidy, Collins, Cornyn, Haggerty, Hyde-Smith, Kennedy, Kennedy. Now, this is the vote to go to cloture, I believe. McConnell, of course. Moran, Murkowski, of course. Portman, of course. Rounds, of course. Rubio, Shelby, he's the one who's retiring. Tillis, Wicker, and Young. This comes back March 11th, remember. This is your Republican Party.
Ma'am, do you know the people that's trying to break into your property? If you come in, I will shoot you. Welcome to Law and Border, where we go to the front line to expose the truth about the real attack on America. Watching Law and Border with Ben Bergwald. Yeah, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B, the great Ben Bergwam, host and creator of the new show right here on Real America's Voice, premiering, I believe, Saturday, Law and Border. And Ben's been kind enough to join us now, the great Ben Bergwam. Ben, how are you? Uh, it's great to be with you, brother. It's been a while. It has been a while. You look good. I'm glad you're feeling good. And um, I want to get to the future and talk about this show, but let's just spend a couple minutes talking about the past because recently you were sick and there was an article written about, I don't say necessarily <laughs> about, I guess it was using you more as a, almost like a prop in the piece, yes. which had a bigger, had a bigger uh, whatever, but I called it one of the more uh, dishonest and uh, just intellectually dishonest and misleading pieces that I had read in a long time. Not that I'm surprised coming from NPR, but one of the things the gentleman who wrote it, who I believe we invited on the show and never heard anything back from him because I wanted to ask him about go through it. Uh, he says that they reached out to you and uh, you say that you said that wasn't true, right? Yeah, that was uh, just an absolute ball-faced lie. He, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know about the article until it was written and people started sending it to me. And to read in there, there's, we can go through the whole list of lies. And I call it media malpractice. You know, you have a, an organization like NPR that when I was growing up, it was, you know, boring news, but we would listen to it and try to get what we could out of it. And it used to be kind of, you would think it, expected it to be kind of straight down the middle. It is, it, you know, it's just like all the other leftist rags now. It may as well be called the Daily Beast. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same kind of garbage coming out of it. From the beginning of the article, the, the biggest takeaway from that article was they never said that that they actually helped save my life, that these frontline doctors actually helped save my life, that ivermectin worked. They did this whole hit job on the frontline doctors, who uh, and Dr. Collins in particular, who helped save my life while I was in California and never mentioned it. I loved the, the, the comments like, well, how's he doing? Did he die? You know, and they're going down the thing and people, they, but it was this, it was really just an entire hit job against the frontline doctors or anyone that who dares step out of line from the Fauci Gestapo. I mean, that's really what it came down to is how dare you not do what we tell you to do? How dare you not take that experimental drug and you take that drug that's been around for 60 years? How dare you? How, who do you think you are? And, and that was really what it was and then the worst you know you had uh, insult to injury on that to say that you contacted me and I refused to comment so I messaged him back and I said hey I don't even know who you are but I'm happy to comment anytime you want to talk to me call me up you can reach me if you wanted to contact me you could and he messages me back well I tried sending you an email I'm like no, you're just a liar. I checked all my emails. The guy's just a liar. They don't, because they didn't want the answer. They didn't want me to actually respond to the piece. They just wanted to write their leftist propaganda and hope they got away with it. And, you know, uh, for us, I, I just don't accept that. Yeah. It did seem to me that some of the phrasing and some, some, of, the, some of the points he tried to bring out were, were just so easily um, 
you know, pr- proven false. I mean, to say there's no studies about it. I mean, it just it was just crazy to me the way it was written. But um, so looking back well, on your and, and can I say something yeah, real quick? Sure. Can I say something real quick on that? I, I did a video after that, and I said, you know, next time you want to talk about this, how about you contact me and talk about how we're still masking children in these leftist school districts while there are more children dying of suicide than they are dying from COVID? How about we talk about the fact that the vast majority, uh, over 90% of the people that are dying from COVID, are dying, they're obese, and we're not talking about that. We're not getting people into gyms for the last two years. You had two years to help people lose weight so that they wouldn't die from COVID, and you never talked about that. How about we talk about that? But really... How about we talk about the invasion at our southern border where we've allowed over 2 million people into our country in the last year. We didn't check any of them and just shipped them around our country and sent COVID and malaria and measles and everything else all around our country. How about you talk about that? So that was my response to him. Call me up. I'd be happy to talk about any of those topics. Yeah. Um, So I want to talk about the new show, but one last question on your COVID experience. Looking back, uh, we've talked a lot about early treatment on this show, a lot. And we've talked about a lot of preparing your body to come in contact with COVID. We still do. I think you still need to. I don't think it's over. I don't think it's ever goes away. Do you look back and think, um, did you, do you feel like you waited too long? Do you feel like you had predisposition to have a problem with it? Was there anything you look back and and thought you could have done differently? So you didn't end up with such a severe situation like you were in? Well, I do have asthma. I grew up with asthma and I have I've, I've battled mono for like 10 years. And so I had a, uh, you know, a deep depleted immune system already going into it. So I kind of knew that I've, I've been, you know, keeping up on the zinc and the vitamin E and the vitamin D and all the rest of it. But I did. I, the, the worst part for me was that we happened to be in California. We went out for Christmas to California and I just don't trust medicine in California anymore. I don't trust anything in California anymore. And so I avoided uh, going and getting treated outside of the, you know, what I was taking. And I, what I did, I waited too long to get a nebulizer and too long to get steroids uh, and too long to, to get the treatment from the frontline doctors. That's what I waited too long to do. By the time I got into the hospital, I had already become, or started healing from the pneumonia. And it was really the pneumonia. You got to stay up on top of that. You got to get the right antibiotics. Um, so there was a few things I would have done differently uh, from yeah. a timing standpoint. But one yep. thing I wouldn't do is I'm glad I didn't get the vaccine. And I'm glad uh, I, I thank God for the frontline doctors. Yeah. All right, let's talk about law and border. Obviously, you've been coming on this show for a lot for a long time, uh, dealing with the border uh, and the things you've been seeing. We've been ro- running the footage. So, how did the show come about? When did you finally say, "Hey, we need to"? I need to do this. Has to be a regular show. Tell me about how this came about. It was actually uh, just down there spontaneously. I mean, we, we've obviously been covering it for five years prior to pre- President Trump, during President Trump, and now. And so I've seen kind of the iterations from Obama with his open border policies and the lies that he told to President Trump coming along and actually fixing it. You know, for a long time, I thought, well, maybe this can't be fixed. Maybe it's a Republican-Democrat problem. And it was for years. Uh, Republicans wanted cheap labor and Democrats wanted easy votes. And so that was what we had for years. And President Trump came along and said, hey, we can fix this. And he actually did. And to see what we're, where we've come from President Trump till now, I, I was going down and I was riding with uh, with with uh, Border Patrol during with President Trump. As soon as Biden put the gag order on Border Patrol, I started looking at other resources, and that's where I got hooked up with law enforcement, uh, the police and sheriffs that work the borders. And I was out there riding with the Hoya Texas PD, and I was I, it, it blew me away. I'm out there for one day, and it's just chase after chase after chase in this little tiny town in southern Texas. I'm like, I asked the uh, Sergeant Casas, who's one of our main characters in this, or one of the, 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 the stars, really, he's the star. I'm just the host. 
And he, you know, he told me this is how it is every single day. And it's 10 times worse than it was now or now than it was under President Trump. President Trump actually fixed it. So you're talking about Hispanic, uh, primarily Hispanic communities that are being destroyed by Biden's open border policies. And they're coming out and saying it. We've got cartels that are controlling the border from uh, from the, the Gulf of Mexico to San Diego. They're murdering people on both sides of it. And we're not even talking about it. We're more worried about Ukraine's border than we are about the border that's being invaded at, at our south this one is actually killing america right now and joe biden the democrats don't see a care, seem to care about it and i also wanted to tie in the the fact that law enforcement has been so demonized by the left all of these defund the police and blm garbage that we've seen over the last four years really was just the democrats brown shirts burning down america to try to take back uh, take over from President Trump. It was just terrorism. But we're trying to bring that back together. We're bringing law enforcement. We're lifting law enforcement up. We're saying these are the heroes of America. And we're showing what a disaster Joe Biden's open borders policies are doing and the invasion that we're, we're seeing down there. I just happened to be the lucky guy that was riding along with these guys. And I'm like, why is this not a show? And I called up our owner, Rob Sig. I'm like, Rob, we got to do the show. He said, do it. So now, now we're doing it. And it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to be one of the best shows. Uh, now, maybe right next to Studio 6B on TV <laughs> going forward. No, I, I don't think you want to set the bar there. I think you've got it cleared already, pal. Don't you worry, <laughs> don't you worry about it. Um, we're talking with Ben Berkwam, the host of the new show, Law and Border. It premieres uh, this Saturday, correct? What time? 7 p.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be killer. And it's just the beginning. That's the key. This thing, like every, every door we walk through, every uh, chase we're, we get involved with, it just turns into a whole nother story. Uh, drugs, you know, we're talking about drugs and people being, being brought across in mass. It's modern day slavery into the United States. And then we've got guns and money going back into Mexico. We're going to be tra tracking all of that, getting with the guys uh, that, that really have to deal with it on a daily basis and putting their lives on the line every single day. And, and the communities that they're destroying, the cartels and the Democrats are destroying along the way. So you said you have this officer who's kind of the star of the show. Will, will each week the stories be different? Um, does the show focus on you know, a couple different specific chases each week? What, is, what does the viewer expect to see each week? Does each week build on the other, or is it just all individual, like look at what these guys are dealing with on a daily basis? I think the easiest way to think about it is cops meets border wars. And so we're going to be going in. We're going to be getting a lot of the chase scenes. Uh, we're going to be involved in these chase. We're involved in, in high-speed pursuits live while we're doing it, uh, while we're filming this. It's going to be heavy on that. That'll be the backbone of the show. And then everything else comes from that is, is what are the other, the other things that you're dealing with here, whether it's the drugs that are coming in, the angel families that are being murdered, the law enforcement, what that's doing to their, their, their family and their communities, education, obviously the fentanyl overdoses. And so we're going to be going, and it's not just La Jolla, Texas PD. The first episode is La Jolla, Texas PD. And then we're also with Mark Lamb, Sheriff Mark Lamb in Pinell County. And then, and, and showing from on the border, you know, right across the border where this is happening, but then going inland and showing this is not just a border issue. This is an American issue. This is a sovereignty issue, taking it up in there. But we're seeing, again, high, high speed pursuits. Everyone wants to see that. And they're, you know, they're, they're obviously a lot of fun for me to be a part of. Uh, but in, at the end of this, every single one of these is putting people's lives in danger. And the worst part is you're going from, you'll hear it from, uh, the sheriffs, they went from one a night uh, on average that each officer would deal with. Now they're, you're, you're talking one a week. 
to one a night. And in, in La Jolla, Texas, you're talking about possibly 10 a day, high-speed pursuits through small communities, uh, uh, people getting thrown out of vehicles on freeways. I mean, it's out of control and it all goes back to, we're gonna, we're also gonna dev or, uh, undercover, excuse me, uncover the organizations that are behind it. And that's really the key on this. We don't want, you know, it's one thing to watch the, the chases and, and see some mindless entertainment, but the key is what does this mean to America and how do we fix it? And, and that's what we're gonna do is dig into the topics uh, whether that's the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations like Catholic Charities, that's that's getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars every single year to traffic people through the United States. They're really the end of the pipeline for the cartels. They're working in Mexico and Central America, aiding and abetting the invasion of America. And we're paying for it. American citizens are paying for it. While law enforcement is getting killed at the border and, and communities are getting destroyed at the border, our taxes are going to these organizations that are aiding and abetting this invasion of our country. So we're going to cover it all, but we'll have a, a ton of fun doing it. Yeah, well, I want you to have fun, but I want you to stay safe, especially these high-speed chases. You're driving, yeah. you're riding with the police in those, right? Because, oh yeah, okay, because I yeah, got some, yeah, we're I riding had, with the police. We're yeah, I had some inside information that maybe Harry Oates was driving some of these cars, and I thought to myself, no, no, I need to get <laughs> well, we're well, not all the cars. <laughs> okay, we need to get yeah, ben you got to come down. So we do have chase, we do have chase vehicles. I'm not riding with Harry. Don't worry about that. But Harry's trying to keep up. Okay, so, you know, just tell the other the other cops, hey, just don't don't worry about that guy. Chasing 100 miles an hour of Barry Manilow playing on the thing is not a good idea. So we don't want that part of the show. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm glad that um, I'm glad that Oscar is okay, and we don't we don't. I only got a couple seconds here, but it's good to hear. I mean, this is dangerous stuff, and I mean that you need to stay safe, and uh, because it's obviously can be dangerous. So. Ben Berkwam, the host of um, yep. the new show on Saturday. Ben, uh, thanks for joining us. Law and Border starts on Saturday. Thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure, my friend. 7 p.m., Law and Border, right here on Real America's Voice. The great Ben Berkwam is the host. Oh, man, it's going to be fun. You're going to get oof, dangerous stuff. Ben's great. Saturday night, 7 p.m., live from Studio 6B. We're back right after this. to the hour live from Studio 6B. Oh, man, Ben Berkwam. It's going to be a great show. Saturday night, 7 p.m. right here on Real America's Voice. Law and Border. Make sure you tune in Saturday night. I'll definitely be tuned in. Ben is great, but, man, I just got to stay safe. That is some dangerous stuff. What just, uh, you heard, you, I'm sure you guys covered or heard what happened with uh Oh, yeah, we covered it last Oscar. night oh, with Oscar. Man, oh, man. He was missing for, like, two hours. Just crazy stuff, so. God bless Ben. He's going to stay safe, hopefully, getting this show produced for you. But it's going to be, like you said, going to bring you great stuff. So stuff you only see here on Real America's Voice, by the way. Because no one else will cover the border. They may do 15 minutes on it, 10 minutes on it, you know, once every six months. MSNBC will do nothing on it. CNN will do nothing on it. ABC will do nothing on it. NBC, ABC, the main networks, will do nothing on it. Fox will... Maybe give it a little, maybe give it some time. But work, we'll cover it. You'll, you won't see anything like what Ben's going to do almost anywhere else. Unless it's, you know, individuals, uh, independent journalists maybe on social media who have an interest in the sovereignty of the country, who think what's going on is 
crazy. Look at the, look at the numbers of what's going on at the border. As Ted Cruz says, throw this up, G. Harris flies to Europe to help secure Ukraine border. She is the undisputed expert on open <laughs> borders. Yeah. The irony of that is just our border is a disgusting mess and they don't care. You know, I, I, people would have more respect if they just came out and said, well, listen, you know, it's, nothing, we're, it's, it's like the whole COVID thing. You know, when they realized they couldn't get their arms around it, what did he do? Well, there's no federal answer, so we're gonna, we'll give it back to well, this is a state issue now. Right. Oh, okay. So, all right, let's do some sports and here with that Slick Rick at Slick Rick Sports on Getter and on Twitter. What's going on, pal? Well, speaking of an over-the-edge occupation, Yahoo Sports reporting photographer who fell during Rams parade as Matthew Stafford watched says oh, she man. injured her spine. Did you see that? She, I, I oh. saw it, and I got to be honest with you. I right away thought what everybody else got to later on. What is Stafford doing? What kind of a reaction is that? He wanted no part. He was like, no (laughs) part, no part. That was bad. That was bad. But he made some amends uh, just a few hours ago. Oh. A photographer at the uh, Los Angeles Rams Victory Parade fell off the stage in a stunning scene fit for a movie, but with real-life impact, and her friends are stepping up to help her out. You know, just to cut to the chase, um, she had about thirty-five, forty thousand dollars $40,000 worth of damaged camera equipment. She fell six feet, hurt her spine. She was in the hospital. Um, hopefully, she'll be okay, obviously. Uh, but um, I saw now- it, and when, you, when you, you see her disappear, and then it pulls back, and you see how far the stage was it was like oh my god yeah but his reaction looking at his wife and running away like almost to go hey you go deal with it or whatever he said to her was like you know it's the old too much i think he had a little too much to drink already by that point Possibly, and but uh, Kelly Stafford. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I think it's locking well, in. Well, good old Tom Brady was tweeting him. He says, uh, "Hey, mix in a little water, Matt. I know from experience." So yeah. he did tweet him during that. That was, but, that was bad. That was bad. But Kelly Stafford, his wife, did show a lot of compassion, and uh, just got word late that he is going to the Stafford family is going to pay for all her damaged equipment to the tune of some forty thousand dollars, which was really nice. So uh, you know, I, I I don't know, Big D. I guess it's just one of those things. You know, he, he, he's in the middle of a big event and he just yeah, you know, I mean, turned not, his back you know, I don't think we should crucify the guy yeah. but I mean it's nice that they're doing that I hope maybe he maybe like calls her or goes to visit her and apologizes I think that's fair I think that's fine but man Oof. well it's not like he knocked her off this day. no I know that but if you see if you watch it yeah, I'm watching clearly it see it. He looks and goes, oh, he's, he's like, he looks oh, like, oh, I want no part of that, Kelly. You go deal with it. I'm out of here. here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor girl could be um, who knows what. I think Good reading his Lord. lips, he's like, oh, my God, and turns around and just yeah, starts says, drinking. I'm out of here. Wow. Not good look. Not a good look. Not at all. All right, what else? Okay, well, I got one from your favorite publication, Big D, the Washington Compost, but they did an op-ed here (laughs) on Ennis Friedman, who was cut for exposing how U.S. corporations became foreign agents of communist China. You know, I'm sure you heard about the Ennis Cantor trade from the Boston Celtics, and then subsequently the uh, Houston uh, Rockets took him on and cut him, literally just cut him, and uh, now they don't think he's going to be back in the league, which is really a shame, and he's not a bad talent, quite frankly, Uh, 
but Ennis Cantor Freedom, since the end was coming, I have 25 games left in my contract, and it's up after the season. The 10-year NBA basketball veteran told uh, me last week, but recently he said former teammates and coaches began telling him, we love you, so uh, we have to tell you the truth. This is your farewell tour. Enjoy it. Smile. Have fun with it. I hope you win a championship because I don't think you're going to be getting another contract after this year. And obviously, this is a well-documented story. Everybody knows about Ennis Cantor and how he's trying to shed light on the Ugers and how the NBA allows what goes on with the manufacturing of their product and turning a blind eye. This has been a real controversial story that's gone on. But unfortunately and sadly, Ennis Cantor, who really had a... The other night, he had... He had 12 rebounds and 7 points in 15 minutes. I mean, the guy is clearly a good player and, and, and a viable talent, and he's being pushed out of the damn league. I'm really, I'm annoyed about this, I gotta say. Um, but this is all part of the, uh, you know, the Chinese regime, but really, you can't blame China as much as you blame the NBA to allow this to go on. And wow, the Celtics really did him dirty, and Houston just cut him, and uh, it's just not a good situation. So, um, who knows? Hopefully, he'll end up with a nice contract in the European League. But Ennis Kanta, you know, Freedom Kanta there, really standing up, trying to do the right thing, and I know, Rick, you followed this story very closely from when he painted his sneakers with the Freedom on yep. there and all. And it's like yeah, the it's Levi's just- girl. Terrible. The other yes. day, the story. Yeah, similar, I don't see, similar to that. I don't see him going to Europe though. No, no, because of the whole thing with Turkey, Turkey and how yeah. how the uh, president of uh, the president of Turkey uh, basically uh, has it out for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he just kind of stays here where he feels a little bit safer. Yeah, well, maybe he'll find uh, maybe the CBA or something. I don't know. But uh, who knows? Maybe he'll resurface. He's a good player. And I'll tell you, when the players come around, it's always good to have a guy who could get 12 rebounds in 25 minutes. He can play on my team any day. And that's a wrap in sports, Big D. Okay, thanks, Rick. We'll do some more sports. Let's do a little news and hear that. Is Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? Well, since uh, the mention of China, that kind of reminds you of our friends up north in Canada. As Ottawa police are making arrests amid a major push to oust the convoy blockade. Uh, Ottawa police have made several arrests uh, of the Freedom Convoy blockades, and uh, video footage recorded by Global News of the arrests appeared to show more than one individual being taken into police custody, but the identity of the individuals are not clear. The declaration of the state of emergency by the federal government on Monday by uh, Justin Castro uh, means that the area where the individuals were arrested on Wellington Street across from Parliament Hill is now a prohibited place of assembly. So now they're forcing people out by uh, declaring this a no-go zone for protesting. Only Ottawans with a lawful reason to be downtown are permitted to do so, this says, says the police, after they secured a security perimeter on day 21 of the continued blockade amid signals that they're preparing to end the demonstration that has paralyzed Ottawa. Another wrinkle to all this, we heard about how now they're going after the... uh, the people that donated and they're trying to seize bank accounts. Well, attention, animal owners. This is coming out a tweet by Ottawa bylaw. If you're unable to care, basically, if you're arrested, if you're down there with your animal and you get arrested, if you're unable to care for your animal as a result of the enforcement actions, your animal will be placed into protective care for eight days at your cost. After eight days, if arrangements are not made, your animal will be considered relinquished. And when that happens, they put them to sleep. Um, Canada this, sounds like a great place yeah. to visit right now. Yeah, right. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot going on. This was an ex- do I have time? No, I don't have time to play this exchange yesterday uh, from Trudeau um, to this Jewish lawmaker who was speaking 
And his response to her was, I guess you can't say at this point, seeing this guy's true colors or, or just being reminded of his true colors, what he said, but it was still pretty outrageous. I'll show you that when we get back. All right, live from Studio 6B, hour two on a Thursday night coming up. Live from Studio 6B, Hour 2 on a Thursday. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's going to do some more news. Rick Amorati will have more sports. Geo Fran holding it down as always. We ended the hour talking a little bit about what's going on north of the border, and it's just a full police state at this point. As Trudeau, uh, dumb as Biden, even though he's 150 years younger. And this, and this um, Christina... Freeland, I guess her name is, is their um, their Kamala Harris, and she's about as they share about the same IQ as well. Um, and the media loves them, by the way, just as much as the media here loves Biden and Harris. So that kind of tells you where they're they're at. But it's full blown police state. Here, here's how you can imagine it: imagine summer of um, summer of love. If Donald Trump had shut down the um, BLM bank accounts, frozen, shut down BLM bank accounts while the now vice president was trying to raise money for them um, in Wisconsin and Minnesota and all these other places that, that she was actually tweeting out fundraising links. Imagine if the president at that time was going in and shutting down their all throughout through all fintech and financial institutions, what, what do you think the response would be from the left? <laughs> That's basically what's going on right now. In Canada, not a word from anybody. Oh, especially because all the BLM money, you remember it was, uh, it was funneled to the Democrat Party through uh, the Act Blue. So, you know, that, that would have cut, cut off all the fundraising for the Democrats. Here is uh, Christine uh, or Christia Freeland. I believe either today or yesterday. Frozen both personal and corporate, but you're not releasing the information. And the actual follow-up is, um, I'm just wondering whether the bank accounts will be targeted of individuals who donated to the Give, Send, Go and the GoFundMe campaigns. Are they considered designated people under the Emergencies Act, meaning that their credit cards could be cut and financial services are targeting them as well? Okay, so... The names of both individuals and entities, as well as crypto wallets, have been shared by the RCMP with financial institutions. And accounts have been frozen, and more accounts will be frozen. 
uh, crowdfunding platforms and payment service providers have started the registration process with FinTrack. Uh, in terms of the specifics on whose accounts are being frozen, uh, you now have the regulations. The financial service providers have those regulations as well. And they, working with law enforcement, will be making the operational decisions. So there you go. So just imagine if that was happening under the Trump administration to the rioters of 2020, the summer of, summer of love, what the response would be. That's what's happening in Canada right now. For and peaceful it, protesters, might. Yeah. Yes, for peaceful protesters. Way more peaceful than what was going on here outside yeah. the White House on the night Donald Trump accepted the nomination from the RNC as people leaving the White House were accosted. Rand Paul and his wife barely made it to the hotel. The federal courthouse in Portland, as Nancy Pelosi called them, stormtroopers were going in to try to save it. We, we remember the summer of love. Imagine if bank accounts were being frozen, fintech operations were being told that they can cancel credit cards, freeze bank accounts, freeze wallets. Just imagine what, and, and here's the question we should really want to know. What help is this, um, what help is he getting from the Biden administration? Trudeau, that is, and her. What, what help? Who are they getting help from here? Is the Department of Justice helping them? Homeland Security helping them? What help are they getting from this government? Wouldn't we all like to know that? That's what we should be asking or trying to find out. And I say that with the backdrop of, again, going back to this Republican Party. It's great to say, but, you know, I don't know how we ever get to the bottom of it, but it'd be nice to know what help uh, Trudeau and... Uh, that dummy I just played for you, what help they're getting from, from this government? People's names, turning over information, going after peaceful protesters. That'd be interesting to know. Mm -hmm. What's Merrick Garland doing? Is he spending more time helping them? I don't know. So there's a piece in... Uh, oh, so this is the exchange I told you about yesterday in... Um, with Trudeau. Play that, Jay. Optimistic, hopeful vision for public life isn't a naive dream. It could be a powerful force for change. If Canadians are to trust their government, their government needs to trust Canadians. Those are the words of the Prime Minister in 2015. These people, very often misogynistic, racist, women haters, science deniers, the fringe. Same Prime Minister six years later as he fans the flames of an unjustified national emergency. So, Mr. Speaker, when did the Prime Minister lose his way when did it happen now she's jewish prime minister listen to this mr speaker conservative party members can stand with people who wave swastikas they can stand with people who wave uh, the confederate flag we will choose to stand with canadians who deserve to be able to get to their jobs who be able to get their lives back these illegal protests need to stop and they will mr speaker
I just want to remind the honourable members, including the honourable right honourable prime minister, to use words that are not inflammatory in the house, and that's for both sides. Well, it's not for both sides because yeah. both sides weren't doing it. That was his response to a Jewish lawmaker to basically call her a Nazi. Mm-hmm. Nazi sympathizer from the Pajama Boy. Trudeau. Melissa Landsman, despite her funky, edgy haircut, is a conservative member of the uh, Canadian Parliament. She is also a descendant of Holocaust survivors. She understands perfectly well who and what a true Nazi is. On Wednesday, she stood up in Canada's Parliament and defended the truckers uh, engaged in a peaceful protest in favor of relief from unscientific government mandates regarding experimental vaccines. A visibly shaking, angry Trudeau, who was not used to any opposition, replied by effectively accusing her of being a Nazi. Conservative Party members can stand with people who wave swastikas, he said. Trudeau then doubled down on the offense by refusing to apologize. He was asked three times, my understanding is. It wasn't in that clip. But my understanding was he was asked three times to apologize. After all, he could have said, I'm very sorry I accused you of standing with Nazis. I shouldn't have said that, but I still maintain that blah, 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 whatever, make your points. But he didn't do that. He wouldn't do that. Instead, like a little petulant teenager, which he acts like, he stuck to his little false guns. And um, they have the transcript here of what he said, but he just went right back in on her. Consider, too, the irony of Trudeau claiming that he had become a dictator because Canadians deserved their freedoms back. These illegal blockages continue to interfere with people's daily lives, he said. It's been Trudeau's conduct for more than two years that has deprived people of any sense of a normal life, totally destroying their freedom to work, freedom to travel freely, shop, worship, and most of all, protect bodily integrity. Landsman, for her part, called out Trudeau's vile comment and asked for an apology again on social media. She said, I think the prime minister should think long and hard about his own history before singling out a Jewish member of parliament and falsely accusing me of standing with a swastika. What a disgraceful statement, unbecoming of anyone in public office. He owes me an apology. What's very clear is that Trudeau, who has continuously insisted that he is Mr. Compassion, sensitive to the emotional needs of his people, was faking it all along. He's a small, self-centered man, deeply in love with his power. He's also very shaken because he assumed that everybody viewed him as he views him. Currently, he's a rat who's cornered. But people would be wise to remember that when cornered, rats are at their most dangerous. And I think that's probably showing itself to be true right now with everything that's going on there. Well, that's the typical reaction when they start to lose uh, control. Like, like the, uh, the piece said, he sees himself one way and he assumes everybody else sees him the way he likes to see himself. Unfortunately for himself, that's not reality. And, uh, you know what, hopefully, I would love to see this, this, this uh, comment that he made that he refuses to um, apologize for snowball. 
I think they need to start calling for him to step down, calling for new elections and get him out. That's the only that's the only remedy now in Canada. I think they've reached that point where if they do not get rid of the tyrant now, he will seize more and more power and make it impossible for them to get rid of him later. Well, John Daniel Davidson from The Federalist has a little bit of a different take on what he thinks Trudeau's endgame here is. And unfortunately, I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to, to totally write this off. And that, of course, is the title of this article that he has out today. Trudeau does not want to end the protest peacefully. He actually wants violence. Yeah. Everything Justin Trudeau has done since the protest began has made a confrontation between protesters and police all but inevitable. And I'm not going to, I won't read you the whole thing here. I'll link it on our social media. It's very, very good. But it makes the point that a cornered rat thinks if he can push this to where it's violent, in some ways, All he has to do now is sit back and point and go, look, I can't allow this. All you have to get more aggressive. Have to do more things. Seize more power. Mm -hmm. Take more of your liberty. Freeze more of your stuff. Private property rights be damned. Totally. Everything. Right. But but it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Look how violent they are. I've got to do this for your sake. I'm doing this for you. That's always how they frame it. (laughs) Everything Trudeau has done from his initial dismissive remarks about the protesters being a small fringe minority with unacceptable views to his ongoing refusal to meet with them to the unprecedented invocation of the Emergencies Act this week has served to escalate the situation in Ottawa and increase the likelihood that this ends with some kind of violence. Building towards it. So... Hard to argue. You can only push people so far. Especially when you start getting into the things we're getting into now up there. And not a word from anybody here. Especially from the party in charge. Who, again, are they helping? We'd like to know. All right, more to do. Sports news coming up live from Studio 6B on a Thursday. From Studio 6B, let me talk to you about our friends at Birch Gold. Inflation on the rise. This new next CPI report coming out, I believe, March 11th is going to be. You know, these CPI reports used to come. No one thought anything of them. Oh, it's 2%, 1.5%, 2%. Now it's like the whole world's waiting for them. Because inflation, they say, is 7.5%, probably more like 15 president wants to spend more money too by the way although i think they're coming to the conclusion now that build back better is probably um dead so you got to consider your financial alternatives right now and i don't blame you cash is trash and will continue to be how do you protect your hard-earned savings one of the options to consider is physical gold and silver i told you gold's on the move and it continues to be 
The folks to talk to about it are at Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold are experts in precious metals, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and thousands of satisfied customers. Most importantly, they'll give you options. You can buy gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA to a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k to a gold IRA. Here's how you get started. Text AMERICA to 989898 now. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit with no obligation. They'll show you how to protect those gold and silver investments, by the way, in a tax-sheltered account. Get the facts. Get started today. Text AMERICA to 989898 for your free information kit. Let the experts at Birch Gold show you how owning gold and silver could help protect your hard-earned savings. Do it today. Gold is on the move, by the way. So those of you who put yourself in position already, starting to reap some rewards of gold being a nice inflation hedge. And I, I would think it's probably going to continue to be on the move if I had to guess right now in this, in this um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in, in the geopolitical landscape right now with what's going on in, on the border of Ukraine. Uh, inflation continues to run hot. Every number we get on the, on the economy continues to run hot. Even the PPI, uh, PPI the other day, they, wanted, they were supposed to, expecting one-tenth of one percent. You got one percent. That's off by a little bit. So, I mean, everything is coming in hot. So, uh, contact Birch Gold. See, listen, you, the, the, you can at least get the free information kit and see if it's right, right for you. You know, text America to 989898. All right, let's do sports. And here with sports is uh, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, speaking of gold, and you know I haven't reported too much on the Olympics because, quite frankly, nobody's really watching. <laughs> but I love my hockey, and I'm going to just let you know that the U.S. women's ice hockey team fell to Canada 3-2 to two in the gold medal game. This is from Victor Barbosa of Yard Barker. After the U.S. men's ice hockey team recently fell in a shocking shootout loss to Slovakia, we talked about it last night on the show, during the quarterfinals of the 2020. 22 Beijing uh, Winter Olympics. The women's squad had their chance at gold uh, earlier this morning, and uh, instead it was Team Canada coming away with a narrow three to one divi- uh, uh, decision to dethrone the defending champions. It's the fifth overall gold medal game for the Canadians in women's ice hockey and serves as revenge for their shootout loss to USA during the 2018 Olympics in Pingjiang. And uh, anyway, there you go. So, U.S. women did not make it, and the men are out as well. So, no more hockey reports and uh let's get down to the san antonio rodeo the stock show and rodeo going on from the 10th of this month right through the 26th big purse 1.4 million dollar plus and bareback riding and these by the way all results are from bracket three the third round so it's a very deep rodeo lot of competition here and uh garrett shadbolt 85 and a half points on dream machine for the bareback picked up 2500 dollars uh, steer wrestling. We have a tie. Jesse Brown and Curtis Cassidy, four seconds flat. Team roping, Luke Brown and Hunter Koch, 3.9 seconds. Saddle Bronc, Dawson Hay, 90 points on Stampede Warrior. Tie down was Tilt. Tanner Green in 7.9 seconds. Bow Racing, Donna K. Rule, 13.83 seconds. That's a dang good score. And Bull Riding, of course, the great. 
probably the greatest cowboy of all time, Stetson Wright. Whoa, 87 whoa, whoa. and a half points on <laughs> Moses. Joe, Joe Beaver would have something to say about that. I don't know. My boy from Milford, Utah, the great state of Utah, is rocking it, Big D. That boy's been hot, and he's been <laughs> rocking it since I've been calling rodeo. So, Slick Rick, that's my man, Stetson Wright. Go, baby. And uh, anyway, that's a rapid sports, Big D. I got a little bit more, but uh, that's up to you. Okay. No, that's it. Stetson Wright's a great name, by the way. Oh, that's a great cowboy name. Stetson so. Wright. <laughs> but now, Joe, but the great Joe Beaver would have something to say about that. So He was great, too. Uh, all right. Let's do some news here with Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All right. A little uh, 2020 election news coming your way right now, Damon. A statewide court declared that Pennsylvania's expansive two-year-old mail-in vi- voting law violates the state constitution about time to huh. figure that out. Oh, really? Yeah. Followed up Wednesday by saying its ruling can take effect in mid-March, a week after the state Supreme Court. Here's arguments on the appeal. Commonwealth Court Judge Mary Hannah Levitt is siding again with Republican office holders who challenged the law, said they would likely prevail at the state Supreme Court. I feel like we've heard that somewhere before. Uh, Levitt also said that the appeal by Democratic Governor Tom Wolf's administration assumes the higher court will overrule decisions in 1862 and 1924 invalidating laws passed to expand absentee voting, but that administration lawyers did not identify an error in those decisions. The case is throwing Pennsylvania's voting laws into doubt as a presidential battleground states prepare to elect a new governor and new U.S. senator in 2022. It's amazing when you think about the 2000 election and under the um, under Chief Justice Rehnquist, how the Supreme Court stepped in because they knew that the state Supreme Court was going to violate the federal constitution, which is why they stepped in when they did. And you think about Chief Justice Roberts, who is no Chief Justice Rehnquist, and the fact that they kicked the can in Pennsylvania in this 2020 election is just head-scratching because they could have dealt with this when it first came up, knowing that the state constitution and the federal constitution at that point were in violation, especially uh, this Act 77. But no, they didn't want to get involved. Didn't they, want to get involved. They didn't think they'd get caught. Who, di- who didn't think they'd get caught? I- I'm sure they all thought, yeah, we can do this. Don't worry. Nobody's going to catch on. They got caught. Yep. Wh- who are you referring to? Who's the, the they? The, 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 all, all the uh, lawyers and the governor who signed off on changing the laws at the last minute and let all this uh, mail-in uh, voting happening and changing the, the voting process. Oh, I, oh, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. But, but they, the, you know, the case was filed with the Supreme Court. All they had to do was take the case. They couldn't do it. Kicked the can down the road. And then didn't take it in, eventually in the end anyways. Yeah. Right, right. What else? Uh, going back north of the border, check this out, because this wasn't something that I heard about. And then, uh turns out a number of major Canadian banks were hit by an hours-long outage yesterday. The outage happened one day after the Canadian government invoked the Emergencies Act, giving officials the authority to freeze bank accounts of suspects, seize protesters' trucks, and suspend their vehicle insurance. On Wednesday, five major Canadian banks suffered this outage, blocking access to online banking, e-transfer services for customers as well. The impacted banks included uh, Royal Bank of Canada, BMO, the Bank of Montreal, 
Scotia Bank, TD Bank, and Canadian Imperial Bank. And the RBC, Canada's largest bank in terms of market capitalization, confirmed the outage in a tweet saying, during the late hours of Wednesday, when asked by why the banks are down, we are currently experiencing technical issues with our online and mobile banking, as well as our phone systems. Uh, some believe that this has, uh, has all the earmarks of a run on banks once it was announced that they could be, uh, you know, these bank accounts could be frozen. While the cause of the outage is not clear, some Twitter users speculated the bank run. One user argued that since the financial system is insanely leveraged, it might get into trouble even if a small portion of users start cashing out. So this could be one of those ripple effects of the tyrannical emergency powers levied by Trudeau. The thing is to not close your account. Just take out like 80% of what you got there. Yes. That's how you do it. All right, more news when we get back. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b real america's voice dish network channel 219 pluto tv channel 240 samsung tv plus channel 1029 streaming exclusively on getter real am voice crazy town coming up here in a second i did i did catch this i want to play this because this is too good from eric erickson he says watch the mass theater in virginia house of delegates democrats start speaking and knowing that they're on camera, watch. <laughs> so just watch this. If the, it's just uh, this. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the two members in the of the House, oh. I asked if you will at this time <laughs> join me, in which it is a process that oh, some describe. Look at them. Look at the screen. See that they're on the too. Greatest psychological human look, achievement. Look. look. Oh, where's my? The ability to remember. Yeah, remember to put your mask on. It's important for us to remember and reflect during Glasses this month off. of Black oh, yeah, History. I'm on screen. Oh, he's moving to so the right. So we can reflect on the times, really good and me. bad. Okay, here <laughs> so we go. So that we will not All right. be doomed to Now we're ready. It's like when you're having a bad error. date at a sports game Thank and you, the kiss cam comes Mr. up Speaker. and you're Look at her. Watch her. House. <laughs> oh, no. I asked oh. if you will at least time join me. I'm on. And she looks up. Look, look. It is a process that some describe. I look good. <laughs> Let me see here. I got it on. Let me look at the screen. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm on. Oh, my God. Oh, these people are pathetic. Yeah. All right, crazy town time, G. Biden drops a billion in the Great Lakes. Roll it. You're the best. Oh, cool. that's a oh, song. It's a song. It's forever. Having uh, <laughs> just sitting talking for a second with the director HUD, and uh, and I said, "You're probably the only one here who understands that every time I get a chance, I go home to Delaware." You think I'm joking? I'm not. I represented Delaware for 36 years as United States senator, and uh, and okay. just like most congressional districts, the good news is the bad news. 
Everybody knows you. That's <laughs> 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 great. I was great hearing you say that. <laughs> it's good we to see you, Congresswoman Chantel Brown. Where are you, Chantel? I said, there you go, right in front there. Congratulations. <laughs> and it's great to, great to have you here. Part of that outfit. And, uh, and of course, Marcy. Um, Marcy. Marsha Fudge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mitch Lander, who's leading the implementation of Reference to Worry. Mitch, they don't know anybody from New Orleans down here. He used to be the mayor of New Orleans, and uh, I called him. He, mayors know how to get things done, as the mayor will tell you here. And I called him, asked him to pump him. Would he be the hands-on guy to actually implement the law? Implement it. You know, uh, that's what I want to talk a little about today. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh. <laughs> when I spoke at a joint session of uh, the Congress, I was coming off the podium, the platform, and Marcy came up to me and with all the press in the gallery looking down, handed me a, a, a note, a letter. And the commentators and reporters were so damn curious, what did she hand you? What's in that note? And I said, I can't tell you. No, I... But, uh, That's a well, great story. if you know Marcy, you know what that letter was about. And Marcy, by the way, I saw her tonight. She said, I got another letter for you. I don't know what the hell you got. Marcy, I promise you, I'm working like hell. I, but I, I'll, I'll read it, I promise. Whatever you say, I'll do. But uh, Marcy's letter said, and this is why I want to bring it up. She said, and I quote, the Great Lakes undergrid life, work, and recreation for millions of people. And we need them. We need to invest in them. Well, they are. They are, and we are going to. We're investing like never, ever in history. Today, we're announcing an investment of $1 billion. We know these sites were dangerously polluted for decades. And yes, we've gotten a couple of them done, like right here, like the one of my old hangouts as well. I oh, went to Syracuse University, and I was a lifeguard on, on Lake Oswego. I know up in New York. That was another one that's been taken care of. Help, I'm trying Every dollar we spend cleaning up the Great Lakes <laughs> now, now generates between three and four dollars oh, in economic benefit. That's a fact. <laughs> and it's a really good investment. The uh, the the we teach the, scuba I always too? mispronounce it the the Mawami River. Right? Wami River in Toledo. I can say Toledo. We're rebuilding America. We're going to invest in America and build a better America than we found. We're among the first nations to provide universal high school at the turn of the 20th century. We invested to win the space race that facilitates uh, that in facilities like Lewis Research Center in Cleveland, which is now named for my buddy John Glenn, God rest his soul. And, but somewhere along the way, we took our eye off the ball. We took our eye off the ball. Right here in the banks, the, the banks of the Black River, workers built and launched 900 vessels, freighters, tugboats, tankers, minesweepers, cruisers, built right here, were part of our arsenal of democracy in World War II. It's not hyperbole. I'm not just saying that because I'm here. It's a fact. You know, uh, if uh, Wall Street's a good, there are a lot of good people in Wall Street. They do good things, a lot of them. Not all, but a lot of them. And guess what? The fact that Mayor Wall Street didn't build America. 2021, we saw the highest increase in union, in, in union manufacturing well, well, jobs in nearly 30 years. A couple of weeks ago, the CEO of Intel joined me and Senator Brown and Senator Portman. And by the way, I, I grew up in a Senate that really was bipartisan. 
And so at the White House, we, they came to see me, and the, and the head of the, or the intel came. They wanted to announce, he wanted to announce at the White House, $20 million investment, $20 billion investment in semiconductor campus outside of Columbus, Ohio. We invented them, but we don't make them anymore in relative to the rest of the world. It's going to create 10,000 jobs. And there's more. Just a couple weeks ago, General Motors announced a $7 billion investment in Michigan to manufacture electric vehicles, creating 4,000 new quality jobs. That's on top of the announcement that I say for, that was General Motors. We're seeing a drumbeat of good paying jobs unlike <laughs> anything we've seen in our history. We're also showing a, that growing the economy and creating jobs can go hand in hand with protecting the environment. Keep going. You know, all of this is doing, going to do is create more good paying jobs and make, more, make us more globally competitive and help us fight climate change and get to net zero to get to, look, <laughs> There's so much more to say. I'm inclined to go on, but I've kept you too long. Let me close with this. Yeah. The reason they tell me I've got to head out, I hadn't planned on going immediately, is because of weather going back to Washington. And there's a little thing going on in Europe right now. So, uh... <laughs> I, f- I feel safer every guy, day. That oh, he's yeah. in office. Guys flying in the most indestructible. Uh... <laughs> aircraft ever created he's worried about a little weather getting back to washington <laughs> oh man he's awesome that is uh oh yeah incredible why does he call her marcy marcia fudge why, why does he call her marcy <laughs> i never heard it called marcy before is that- i feel like he messed up and he just like committed yeah. you know what that's your nickname now he just makes it up yeah fudge is it yeah I was hoping the camera was going to keep panning, G, so we could get a si- we could get a look at the size of that teleprompter. It must be there in the back. Oh man, that thing's got to be the size of the thing in Dallas Cowboys Stadium hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> but I guess we weren't lucky enough to see it. But. I thought they were going to show it by mistake. I would have thought that that would have been great. That's a good one. That's a good one. Boy, that boy is just lost. He is just lost, though. Could you imagine having your kids in the pool and their hands be in the lives <laughs> of Joe Biden? No. 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 <laughs> was a lifeguard. Oh, right there at the, one of those Lake, lakes. Lake Oswego. Yeah. I'm somewhat familiar with that because I have family up there. Now, now, now is I don't that think added... there's lifeguards at Lake Oswego. But is I that added to his resume of... I don't think jobs that he's had. I think Lake Oswego is just like there. I don't think there's. Well, maybe I'm wrong. You don't think he's Baywatch running? No, I don't think there's like beaches and people are like. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is. That's one slow mo I don't want to (laughs) see. Oh man, lifeguard! You know, G, what we need to do? We need to start a resume for the president of all of his. You know, you put a resume together and you're going to offer a job. He's going he's gonna to be looking for employment come 2024. Pretty soon it won't fit on a piece of paper. He'll need like a scroll. <laughs> yeah. We may need to start putting a, a resume together of all the jobs. It was a firefighter, right? Well, no, we, we, yeah, we're not going to oh, review no, it no, now. No, no, no. Correction. Oh, okay. He was a smoke jumper. Smoke, jumper. smoke jumper. Oh, there's so many. I mean, we got to. He's a trucker. Yeah, we, that's, that's my point. It's hard to keep track Baseball of. Baseball player. Yeah. 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 Hit so, one out. 
Yeah, 383 feet <laughs> on the right field line. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have to think about that. So, All right, that was good. A um, couple other things I want to get to. We'll do some more news and sports in a second. But um, Victor Davis Hanson, who, who's been on this show, has a great piece about the, um, well, the witch herself, Hillary Clinton, called Hillary Clinton's Greatest Masterpiece. And he says, will the people ever learn how false information was seeded throughout the government and media in a conspiratorial effort to destroy a sitting president? By Victor Davis Hanson, this is today in American Greatness. And Hillary Clinton was out and about today, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, before I get into this. And... um Where's the, what do you have, G? Do we have, I know we, all right, let's see, cut three, roll it. They will do nothing to invest in our schools or make college more affordable. They'll ban books, but do nothing about guns. They'll make it harder for people to vote, but easier for big corporations to bust unions. They'll let polluters trash our environment and let Donald Trump trash our democracy. That's why I intend to work my heart out to elect Democrats up and down the ticket this yeah. November. Yeah, good luck. Uh, I don't think they're looking for your help because <laughs> there's almost no one more toxic than you. Yeah. And it's more interesting. V- it's interesting she's coming out and talking. She normally doesn't. She, she hasn't said much about Trump. And, you know, when you figure in the, uh, the Durham filing, they must be over the target because uh, this, is, this is unlike her. Sussman's uh, legal team filed a, a motion, like a response, I guess. I don't know if it, what it was officially called, but a motion that Durham responded to today. I, I, you know, listen, I wish this had all moved quicker, as a lot of people have. But I'll still, at least to this point, continue to say, I don't think John Durham's playing games. And his response today to Sussman's filing I think shows, don't, don't send this garbage to me. And don't try to, um, don't try to lessen what I'm doing here because I'm going to take my time and I'm going to do it right and the chips are going to fall where they're going to fall and anyone else who falls with it is going to fall with it. But don't, don't bring this nonsense to me because I'm not going to just let it go and wait because he responded to it in what, what was a pretty um, aggressive response in the things he brought up and the things he cited. So let me get, I'll get to a little bit of this if we have time. If not, I'll do it tomorrow. Victor David Santos today, great piece about the, uh, the devil herself there. Studio 6B. So I'll do this Victor David Hansen piece tomorrow night on uh, on the show because it's 
We don't have time for it now because I want to do some news. And here with the news is Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All right. Well, we got a couple different things, one of, one of which uh, comes to us as the trooper who allegedly was groped by Andrew Cuomo, the ex-governor of New York, is now suing him. The New York State trooper claims that the disgraced former governor uh, groped her. And she is now suing him and his longtime aide, Melissa DeRosa, saying that the governor violated her and his right-hand woman helped cover it, it up. The woman is named in the suit as Trooper One, is seeking damages from the duo and a declaratory judgment that they both violated fate, federal, state, and civil laws. The suit filed in the Eastern District of New York also names New York State Police as a defendant, the woman claims DeRosa was active in protecting Cuomo, who was consistently denied all claims of illegal activity. Uh, on September the 23rd of 2019, Trooper One, who was serving as one of Cuomo's bodyguards at the time, accompanied him to an event at Belmont Racetrack where she felt violated as the governor intentionally touched her in intimate locations between her breasts and her other nether regions. As Trump, uh, as Trooper One, excuse me, uh, went ahead with the detail uh, here. <laughs> as Trooper One went ahead with the governor to hold the door open for him, the governor placed the palm of his hand on her belly button, slid it across her waist, right. <laughs> All right, her hip. fine. I don't need. I mean, I don't need a play-by-play. Well, I'm just, I'm just letting you know that. You All know, right, this is hands he's, on. He's all hands. <laughs> no, he is. Yeah. Hey, by the, the way, sausage. gee, not to interrupt this, this <laughs> the play-by-play here from Showtime on the Showtime channel, but. Uh, um, Colonel Colonel's daughter on Getter wants to remind us that on Biden's resume, don't forget the removal of dead animals. <laughs> <laughs> Only That's real right. job Biden's qualified for. That's right, from the other day. So, and that, and we're, there's some confusion, by the way. I'm getting a lot of this. I grew up in Oswego, New York. There's no Lake Oswego. Probably talking about Lake Ontario. Well, but I'm just, I mean, I knew there was Oswego. I thought there was Oswego Lake in New York. Maybe I'm wrong. But he said he went to Syracuse, and he said that I was a lifeguard at Oswego, so I thought he was yeah. talking about Lake Oswego, but I don't know. Who knows what he was talking about? He, and I think he was also a uh, surfing instructor over at the Niagara Falls. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what now, else in the, the news? the question is, on this resume, on this list of past, <laughs> past and present jobs, do we include president? No, well, you know, no. That's, 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 you don't don't like an asterisk. <laughs> 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 you think he's still lifeguarding? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we have to. It's his, yeah, it's his current job, so unfortunately. All right, what else in the news, Rick? All right, well, some good news. Amazon is suspending Black Lives Matter from its charity platform. The beleaguered Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation has been kicked off of Amity, uh, Amazon's charity platform for failure to disclose where... Uh, I don't know, about tens of millions of dollars in donations it received nearly two years ago may have ended up. Amazon Smile, which gives a portion of eligible purchases on online shopping site to charity, said it had temporarily suspended the group, an Amazon spokesman told the New York Post. States have rules for nonprofits. Organizations participating in Amazon Smile need to meet those rules, a spokesperson said. Unfortunately, this organization fell out of compliance with the rules in several states, so we had to temporarily suspend them from the program until they come into compliance, which will probably be never unless you decide you want to start, uh, you know, doing a little auditing of the books of the founder, who's, uh, I guess, uh, you know, they're buying houses and stuff like that, and uh, check the Democratic National Committee, which has accepted most of their money anyway. So you have that from Amazon, which which is a good thing. 
And finally, in San Francisco, where things don't get worse, they get even worse. Uh, officers responding to a 911 call about a break-in in San Francisco. Well, they were caught on video standing down as several suspects were inside the store removing merchandise before leaving the scene in a getaway car. Yeah, the police did nothing. The video shows the officers watching the sub- suspects burglarize a cannabis dispensary late last year. Uh, police Chief Bill Scott said in a meeting with reporters, says discipline and punishment is one thing. I think we all want a change of behavior. When they don't do their jobs, I have to address this issue. They were just breaking in the door as we speak. Uh, this is dispatcher of the... Uh, the dispatcher asked the owner to describe the suspects. Uh, Scott said the belie- he believes the decision to send officers back to training school was the right thing to do. So cops are going back uh, back to training school to figure out what to do when there's a crime happening Dean, in San Francisco. Okay. All right, let's do some sports before we wrap it up here and here with that slick Rick. What's going on, pal? All right, D. Well, a couple of men's NCAA Division I finals. Cincinnati, 85-76 over Wichita, Wichita State. Michigan, 84-79 over the great state of Iowa. And uh, number three, Arizona continues to roll over Oregon State, 83-69. NHL in the garden right now. Red Wings and Rangers tied at two. They're, at, they're in a shootout. Caps, 5-3 over the Flyers late third. And uh, Senators, 3-1 over the Sabres. That's a the final island is two to one over the Bruins, also in the third. And jury finds Eric K guilty of distributing fentanyl and causing the death of former pitcher Tyler Skaggs. This is from TJ Quinn of ESPN. This broke around four or five o'clock this afternoon, Eastern Time. Fort Worth, Texas, a federal jury found Los Angeles Communications Director Eric K guilty on two felony counts, agreeing with the government that he distributed the deadly drug fentanyl and caused the death of Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs. K won't be sentenced until June 28th, faces a minimum of 20 years in prison. The jury the jury took uh, less than two hours to deliberate after the eight-day trial, which saw eight major league players take the witness stand, including Matt Harvey, who admitted he uh, had cocaine use and also had a hand in giving some Percocet pills to Skaggs. But unfortunately, it doesn't bring Skaggs back. He's 27, was 27 years old. Mm. He died back in July of 2019 while on a team, t- uh, team trip to Texas after ingesting, ingesting oxycodone, fentanyl, and alcohol. So, uh, well, Kay is... Uh, Going away. So that's that. Big day. Wrapping sports for you. All right. Very good, Rick. Thanks. Um, Jason Whitlock, who writes, who's done some great stuff. I've always liked him, followed him from when he was on FS1, doing that show, Speak for Yourself. He's always always been pretty outspoken about his politics. Then he left FS1 probably because of that. Didn't renew his contract. Went over to um, Clay Travis's thing for a while. Then he left there, and he ended up now at the Blaze, writing for the Blaze. He's doing some TV work, his own his own show, which I'm sure is great. He's great. He has a piece today about Michelle Tafoya. I did not realize Michelle Tafoya how because uh, you know we watch her on Sunday Night Football. Yep. Kind of. I don't want to. I don't know if it's want to call it the pressure she's been under, but uh, he has a great piece today in Blaze about Michelle Tafoya. Risking everything to start her own freedom convoy is the name of the article. And um, man, she's something else. Boy, she is really, she's called it quits on NBC because of obviously the, the what's going on. After uh, 30 she's, years. She's calling it yeah. quits with the NFL because yep. of what's going on inside yep. the NFL, she says. And she says, I have this, let me get the, I want to get it right. She said, I have this tug at my gut, I think is what she said. 
I've been waking up every day with a palpable pull at my gut. My middle ground moderate viewpoint is not being represented to the rest of the world. And so rather than, you know, just banging it out on Twitter and Instagram, I thought I've got to do something. I have benefited greatly from the American dream. I feel like for the sake of my kids and because I love this country, I've got to start saying something and giving back. So really interesting story. She's now left NBC. She's done with football. She's done with the NFL. And it seems like she's going to start to get involved with, um, you know, being out there, being a voice. And I don't know what, I don't know exactly what form that's going to take. It may, maybe it's an, I haven't read this full article yet, but yeah, um, I read somewhere that she was jumping into politics. She was going to help a local politician, a Republican. Yeah, that I did see. Help. She's she's um, yeah. she's helping. Kendall Qualls is his name. Is a Republican, and as Mister Whitlock says, despite his black skin, black wife, and black children, Qualls is just another black face of white supremacy, according to the left. And wait for it, that makes Tafoya a proud girl and a potential insurrectionist, which I'm <laughs> yeah. sure she'll be labeled soon enough. Right. So. <laughs> Interesting, we'll follow her. As always, we salute our military, active and active, police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, guys, on the show. Uh, thanks, Gene. Thanks, Fran. Of course, yes, thanks to truckers. Staying strong, the pressure is building. What you're doing is going to change the world if you can hold, hold strong. Uh, We will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. right here, live from Studio 6B.